This week we visit the wonderful Yosemite Valley at Yosemite National Park. We had an amazing week there and we're here to tell you all about it. That and more on RV Miles. This spring, L.L. Bean wants to help you feel great out there with gear, tips, and advice for heading outdoors and exploring all the possibilities of the season. Here's one of our favorite camping hacks. You can make your own fire starters by rubbing cotton balls in petroleum jelly, then storing them in an old medication bottle or a mint tin. These compact starters fit in a pocket and light up quickly for easy campfires on cool nights. For more fun ideas, easy how-tos, and inspiring stories, visit llbean.com guide. Welcome to episode number 274 of RV Miles. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby. And we are two full-time RVers who, along with our three boys, Jack, Ethan, and Henry, have been crisscrossing North America on one epic road trip since 2016. Here at RV Miles, we talk all things RV and outdoors, from industry news to travel destinations, our national parks, and so much more. We're coming to you from just outside Redwoods National and State Parks. It's a thing. They're together. It's the National Park and <laughs> State Parks that they all work together. Uh, up in the northwestern corner of California, we are headed very close to getting into Oregon and being able to cross off another state on our list. We are just days away from saying goodbye to California and continuing our Baja to Alaska adventure in a brand new state. But this episode, we want to talk about a place that we just left a couple of weeks ago. Not only do we have an update about this park, but we also want to share our time about it. And that is Yosemite National Park and what is going on in Yosemite Valley right now. Well, we feel a little guilty because yes. we we almost skipped going to Yosemite because yeah. the weather was supposed to be fairly cold the couple of weeks uh, before we got there. And then we were looking at the weather a few days before we got there and it was just going to be gorgeous. It was going to be mainly in the 60s and upper 50s the whole time we were there. And uh, so we, we decided we'd go and we did. And there was uh, a ton of snow pack still on the ground in lots of areas. Mm -hmm. I mean, like as you're driving in, it was taller than the truck for sure uh, along the side of the road. You could see where the, you know, the plows had cut through it and it had been gradually melting. So the, across the roads, it was water was flowing, uh, you know, maybe a half an inch across a lot of the roads. The waterfalls were running really well. In fact, there was something really interesting we'll tell you about a little bit later. Uh, Don't give do it with all that. away. I'm not. I said I will talk about it later. <laughs> wow. Turn it. Sorry, uh, everyone. Turn that down. <laughs> um, but the, the water is melting for sure. And it was cool while we were there, but it was still, you know, getting sort of freezing-ish at night, especially at elevation. Well, now it's just getting warmer and warmer. And the temperatures are expected to really climb in the next couple of days here. In fact, here tomorrow, it's supposed to be like 77 degrees, yes. which is phenomenal. 
Uh, but that's causing all that snow to melt very, very rapidly. They got something like 250% more snow snowfall than they normally get. Uh, and, and it's, of course, not just Yosemite. It's across all the Sierra Nevada and other parts of the country as well. So all that snow is melting rapidly. So Yosemite has decided they will close Yosemite Valley, which is sort of the main part of the park. Um, they're definitely, it's a big park and there are other areas as well. But most of the valley is going to be closed starting on April 28th, which is this Friday. Friday. And then it's going through at least May 3rd, maybe longer. And they do expect that there will be more closures uh throughout the month of May or maybe even into June. And this was something we were we've been concerned about since we were down in Baja. We saw the snow that was happening and we knew that there might be some issues on our way up through California. We happened to luck out, but we threaded that needle <laughs> because when we left Yosemite, I think that following week they were actually expected to have kind of some really cold yeah. weather again. Like yeah. the temperature even was snow. shifting and yeah. snow and so yeah. We just, we got this pocket of a week. And so when we had this kind of on the schedule to talk about, and then we see now that, you know, Yosemite is closing, or at least the valley is closing, and this is going to be a continued thing, we thought, should we talk about this this week? It feels kind of bad to be talking about something when we know that there are so many, and we have heard from so many who have lost their reservations for this weekend. You know, this impacts a lot of the camping in and around Yosemite, or it just changes their plans. You know, even if they do have the campground reservation, the bulk of the valley is closed. And that right now is where uh, spring is kind of happening in Yosemite and the waterfalls. And that's a big draw this time of year. So we went back and forth on whether or not we were going to talk about it. But we know that this is a temporary closure. It's not going to always be like this in Yosemite. And perhaps we can provide some information for a future trip for you, the RVer. So there's that. Uh, and we'll talk a lot more about Yosemite in the second segment of the show. But next, we wanted to share a tip that came from the RV Miles Facebook group. And if you're not a member of the RV Miles Facebook group, you should be because it's a great place where lots of cool people <laughs> talk about things like this. And there's no grumps or angry people there involved. So this was a tip. It actually kind of in, in six years, six, seven, eight years of doing this. I think that what Douglas wrote here caught both you and I like, yeah, oh, like, oh. Yeah. It was an O moment. And yeah. we were both a little like, yeah. oh, we need to, A, we need to make sure we check this. And then B, we should share this because I don't think I've ever heard anyone talk about it before. So he wrote, he said, uh, yesterday I heard an ugly crunching sound when raising my stabilizer jack. If your rig has stabilizers like this, and he is showing a picture of sort of the V-shaped ones that have the plate feet down at the bottom. Standard sort of scissor jack. Yeah. So that bottom foot sort of can move. And he says... Make sure there's no debris or gravel on top of the foot before you raise them for travel. Otherwise, you might have trouble getting them fully raised and the stabilizer could be damaged. And he showed this picture and he had several rocks that were just kind of nestled inside. Yeah. And I was thinking about it, you know, if you have them down and he had it on a block, he does not have them sitting fully on the ground. But I'm thinking to myself, you walk over to those and a lot of times you're looking at them from the side. Yeah. You just, for you. I Yeah, I wouldn't have seen, you, if I came across that from the side, I wouldn't have seen that. No, and, and you put in the drill. Yeah, you're and, using the drill. It, it, if you're using an impact driver and it makes that loud hammering 
sound. You might not even hear the crunching happening, and right. you might be and it happens it. so fast when yeah. you bring them up. Yeah. And I thought, oh, yeah. that that could uh, those three little rocks in this picture, yeah. and we'll put this picture in the show notes so you can see it. Those would cause a lot of damage. It's amazing what what kind of damage a little pebble can do. Like it gets under your slide when you have oh, the, slides across the floor and rip your linoleum up, that sort of stuff. <laughs> Poor Sabre. It's, it's amazing what can happen in those scenarios. So, yeah. And so our thanks to Douglas for sharing this in the RV Miles Facebook group. And I had immediately asked me, please share this on the podcast because this is just one of those, again, one of those pieces of information that just kind of makes you go, hmm, like never thought about that. So like Jason was saying, you should come over and join the group because this is the kind of information that people are sharing. It's not just Jason and I, it's 13,000 other RVers who are sharing information that help keep us all informed and safe on the road so we can enjoy our camping season. Okay, we uh, we have one little announcement to make and then we're going to take a break, but we want to make sure that you know that we are having our next mile marker live event coming up, our monthly night live, first Monday of each month we have a live stream for our mile marker members and we've made it really simple because now you can just go to rvmiles.com slash mile markers and all of that information is there to join which again the website is back the yeah. website is a work in progress but it is there and we're writing news articles and we're doing things in an attempt to hopefully continue to keep you all informed and aware of what's going on like with yosemite we have an article up there where you can check the dates and get a little bit more information about that if you would like as well as finding information about becoming a mile marker member or some of the news that you will probably recognize that jason is going to include in this week's news video it's all there over at rvmiles.com a lot of our Baja to Alaska content is starting to come up there. In fact, I'm working on an article right now about five places to camp in Baja. So if that's something you're interested in, we have a whole Baja to Alaska section that is slowly starting to roll out. And that is starting to be there for you to look over so you can plan your major Baja to Alaska adventure. But it's all over there on RV Miles. Dot com And it's nice to have the website finally up and running again. Okay, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to tell you all about Yosemite National Park, one of the f- favorite places that we've been in these six years plus we've been on the road. <laughs> we'll be right back. Chances are you've seen them on the road. That's because Blue Ox designs and manufactures the best towing products in the industry. Just look around. You'll find them on highways and campgrounds and anywhere you find people traveling in the great outdoors. Award-winning tow bars, base plates, and brakes. A full line of weight distributing hitches. Adjustable ball mounts and a new line of fifth wheel hitches. With Blue Ox, towing doesn't have to be a drag. To learn more about how Blue Ox can make your travel adventures even more stress-free, visit blueox.com. This episode is supported by ParkWolf, the ultimate app for visiting U.S. national parks. With ParkWolf, you can view upcoming places and amenities as you drive through the park, locate the nearest gas, food, bathrooms, and pullover points. ParkWolf's wildlife maps show you the best times and places to see or avoid wildlife along with a feed of the latest wildlife sighting photos from the parks. ParkWolf even makes it possible for you to view your live location and direction on official park maps while staying up to date on current NPS alerts and advisories. ParkWolf keeps working even if you lose service. To learn more, download the ParkWolf app for iPhone free from the Apple App Store today. 
Okay, let's talk about Yosemite National Park. First, let's tell you where we stayed. We stayed outside of the park at a full hookup campground. It was called Yosemite Lakes RV Resort. And this is a Thousand Trails campground. If you're familiar with the Thousand Trails membership program, if you're a member, there are various different memberships and you can get free nights at, at campgrounds uh, for a certain number of days a month or weeks at a time, depending on your membership. Can Regardless, you tell we're not members? <laughs> You don't have to be a member to stay at Thousand Trails no. Campgrounds, and we were not. Uh, no. And this was a really great campground. Yeah, so we actually weren't supposed to stay here. We were going to do one night to roll in, fill up our water tanks, and we had a boondocking location kind of further up down the road that we had planned. And we got there, and the amenities and kind of how the park was laid out and it was very quiet in the park. It was very slow. You know, a thousand trails park can be incredibly busy and this one was not, they just weren't in that season yet, but they had a playground and a basketball court and they had walking trails and there was just everything, a great laundry room, plenty of space. We could do a buddy site with our friends and we rolled in and we thought, you know, the kids are really, really happy here. And I think anyone that travels uh, over a long period of time with kids knows that it is gold when you find a campground where the kids are happy, they're running around and playing, there were other kids there. It was just the vibe was really, really awesome. And so we decided to, again, extend and go ahead and do the whole week there. And it works out nice because at this thousand trails and at most thousand trails, you put in for the night you want, but it's all first come first served in regards to picking sites. So we were able to, we had the site and we decided to say, hey, we're going to go ahead and stay longer. We're going to extend in. The park wasn't busy and we didn't have to move the site because again, it's first come first serve. So no one had it reserved. So that worked out really great for yeah, us. To be clear, like you, you do want to make a reservation, like they yes. do reserve the number of sites they have, but the actual site you pick is not reserved. You, you like then go in and choose a, a site on your reservation. Yeah. Sorry. Thank you for yeah, it's, making it's that confusing. clear. It's a little confusing, but in this particular case, it actually worked out really well for us because we didn't have to do any kind of site hopping whatsoever. So we were able to really set up a nice base camp for the week. We had plenty of space. We were on full hookups. We've talked about some rather expensive campgrounds on the podcast recently, and that's just kind of the cost you pay to go to some of the places that everyone wants to go to. So this campground was about $100 a night. Uh, and I do believe that they offer a discount if you stay for a week. So we were able to take advantage of that discount as well. But overall, I really liked this campground. We haven't been to a lot of Thousand Trails in yeah. our time on the road. But I will say that this was probably my favorite of in the Thousand Trail system that we have visited. Yeah, they can definitely vary in quality. And this was a nice one. And it still felt like a, a campground. Like it easily could have been a state park. Yes. Um, and it had, it's right, I mean, it's very close. 10 minutes, maybe 15 max to 
the park entrance. But then once you've gone through the entrance, it's a long, a long way into. <laughs> Don't the think park. you're just in the park. Uh, I mean, <laughs> but it, <laughs> is, it is very, very close to the park. Uh, it, it, not a lot of the other options closer to the park either, unless you're staying in the park. And this was shoulder season camping, so most of the campgrounds in the park were not yet open. Another thing about this campground, which is nice to consider for an area like Yosemite, is that they do offer more than just RV camping. They have tent camping sites, they had yurts, they had cabins, they had deluxe cabins. So if you're wanting to plan a family trip and you have all different kinds of travelers in your group, there's at least something where everyone can stay, the tent camper, the RVer, you know, the grandparents can get a cabin or what have you. And I really like that when you get to sort of these more popular parks and when you get these campgrounds, because you still have, they have a beautiful creek, beautiful river that runs through. In fact, the water was flowing so much that there was quite a waterfall back in the back tent area of the campground that was absolutely gorgeous. They had activities going on for the kids while we were there. So this is one of those parks where you can have a great base camp for everyone in your group who's all different kinds of travelers and then have fairly close access to the park as well as to a national forest and then not be too far from what we consider, I guess, the gateway town for this side of the park, which is Groveland. Yeah, yeah, it's technically a Groveland address, but it, it was quite the drive into Groveland. Yes. So let's talk about uh, what we did. And it can get really easy to become overwhelmed when you go to a park like this, to a, a Yosemite or a Yellowstone or a Grand Canyon, because the parks themselves are so big and there are so many different areas of the park. And you you get this feeling of like, I want to see it all. I want to do it all. And we have learned over the years that it is better for us as travelers to not try to cram everything into a week, but to really kind of focus on one major aspect of a park this large. And so for us this time, that was Yosemite Valley. And that was really where we spent the bulk of our time when we did get to go into the park. Because again, like many full-timers, we're working, the kids have school, we're trying to balance just like the day-to-day life up against, you know, being in such an amazing and remote location like Yosemite. Um, And so the bulk of our conversation here is just going to be about the valley. So the valley is where most of the stunning views you've seen of Yosemite are. You've got Yosemite Falls, you've got Half Dome, uh, you've got El Capitan, uh, and just tons of waterfalls and gorgeous meadows, lots of spots to stop and, and sort of take in streams and wildlife and what have you. So The Awani is down there, the Yosemite Village, Camp for the major visitor center, the Ansel Adams Studio Gallery is there. I mean, it, it is really kind of the heart of Yosemite. Yeah, yeah. and if you want to check out uh, this week's episode of the America's National Parks podcast, uh, I did an episode there on sort of the history of climbing in Yosemite. And climbing has really sort of evolved as a sport in Yosemite. It's sort of the heartbeat of the climbing movement uh, and where lots of techniques have been uh, learned and refined and everything. So uh, it's interesting to sort of see the climbers on the walls and all all that sort of stuff. But when you come into the park, you go through the gates and then, like we said, it's a sort of a long drive to get down into the valley, but you see 
some of the valley on the way. You see some other waterfalls that you drive by. You go through lots of tunnels, and it's a beautiful scenic road until you get down into the valley. And once you're down into the valley, sort of the first thing that we came across was a plaque on the side of the road. Oh, my gosh, yes. Which is a site where John Muir and Theodore Roosevelt sat and camped, and sort of the idea of the national parks was basically born at that moment, um, where they really first drew up ideas about preserving land for the people. We almost missed it, too. We were driving, and I happened to catch it, and I caught a couple keywords, and I said, you have to stop, you have to stop, you have to stop. This is the spot. This is the spot. And we pulled over, and I was very surprised by how um, emotional like both you and I got standing there at that spot. I started crying a little bit because it was a really intense space for us to be in because obviously our work through the America's National Parks podcast and then what we strive for here as travelers, as a family, as what the parks have meant to us um, on this journey over the last seven years, how we have sought parks for healing, how we have sought parks for the time that we have needed as a family. We continue to do that today. And so to, to stand there and to know that um, this was the spot that we have talked about and read so much about and that so much of who we are came from this one camp trip, this this one little moment in time. Yeah, we've talked about that moment so many times it's and just, then just said to be there for the first time. Yeah. And to incredible. The just, yeah, it was really a moment I, I will never forget. And just knowing that I was standing on the same ground where they had walked and where these conversations had happened. And I was looking at the same space that had, had been the result of why we now have the National Park Service and why we now have these protected areas like where we're sitting right now here in the Redwoods was just um, really, really really beautiful so when you come down into the valley please yeah, make, sure, make to sure to stop there we continued on to the the main valley visitor center and it's a it's a nice little village that like abby said the ansel adams gallery is there that is uh, that was built in 1902 and it's a store with some amazing ansel adams photographs but also lot, lots of contemporary photographs and photography gear i actually bought a tripod there um <laughs> Yes, there's you did. The, the, there's the park film and and stuff but we went into the visitor center to get the junior ranger books so we could start on those and behind the desk at the counter uh, we didn't get to talk to him but was shelton johnson who is uh probably the most famous park ranger there is he featured really prominently in ken burns national parks he features prominently in the junior ranger book <laughs> like, so we're in there and i'm waiting in line to talk to a ranger and kind of get an idea we wanted to bike that day which we're going to talk about in a second and there are moments with jason that i just moments that make me love him so so much because he doesn't often he doesn't he doesn't get sort of starstruck, I guess, a lot. There's not a lot that really phases Jason. And I'm standing there and he comes over and really quiet. He's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And I'm like, what? And I'm thinking, we've gotten an email about something. Oh, or, oh my gosh, something, you know, something's wrong. And he's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And I was like, what? And he's like, that's Shelton Johnson over there. 
here's what the Good Bar documentary. And he is just, he's trying, he's trying so hard to whisper this all to me because he's only like maybe 10 feet from us. Yeah. He's trying so hard to whisper it to me. That's probably really bad about it. And he was so (laughs) excited. (laughs) It was, to me, that was bigger than like if George Clooney had walked by. Oh, it was, it was was huge. And as, as soon as I looked over, I was like, boom. Ken Burns. I see the man. I, we've watched that documentary so often. I think we had just it's, watched some of it recently as we think about how we want to present our own docu-series. It, it, what was amazing Ugh. to me, though, it's like he's just working behind the desk, he, right? I know. He's, he's just at work. And, and, uh, it, and let's be clear, too, though, that Yosemite... The the Rangers behind the information desk is like the A team, right? Yes. They are all yeah. phenomenal. Um, so it's a great place to stop to get lots of information. They know everything. They know which trails are muddy. They know exactly what you're going to get into when you get get to a trail and uh, and and what you're going to see and what you're going to be able to handle and yeah. all that sort of stuff. We didn't get to talk to him, but the Ranger I did yeah. talk to, he had all the info and he had all the info because he was out there doing some of it himself. He was telling me, Oh yes, I was just on this trail last week. This is what it was like. But I just heard reports from somebody else that a couple days ago, this particular trail, they have their, their knowledge is phenomenal and they are so giving with it. He talked to me for a good, probably 10, 15 minutes. And what you were there to talk to him about was uh, where the best bike route was in the Valley. So what we decided to do since now we had good bike weather and we were in a good place to use our bikes was to take our, our bikes into the Valley and, and bike around it. And was this ever the perfect place for biking? Uh, Yosemite is it's really hard to get around in a vehicle in lots of ways because there's especially a truck, not a lot of parking lots, uh, not a lot of even though this was shoulder season, it wasn't incredibly busy. There were still times when certain parking lots were full. And once the season really gets going, then there's lots more bus availability. Like so the bus actually goes to the campground to to the Yosemite Valley Thousand Trails. You can actually just get on the bus right there and take that into the park. So those are those are certainly options, but the it was a little too early in season for lots of bus routes. So we were driving in, but then getting on, just parking one time, getting on the bikes and we could go anywhere in the Valley really conveniently. We could take the bikes to even to places where the, uh, the roads were closed in some spots to vehicle traffic, but foot traffic and, and bicycle traffic was law was allowed. And we're talking like sort of long distances that kind of would have been a pain on, on foot to do. Yeah, uh, it, was it was amazing. Wonderful. Yeah. So there's 12 miles of paved trails down there in the valley that you can go and bike. We highly recommend it. Uh, another thing we want to talk about, too, you have to do when you're down there is you have to go over to the Awani Hotel. You have to spend a little bit of time there. It's such a staple of Yosemite. And we biked over and we ordered from the bar. We had a glass of wine. We set out on the back porch. The kids played out in the lawn. You have this beautiful view behind you and you can sit there and you can have a drink. And there's something about the valley because the valley is this mix of incredible nature and trails and spectacular views. And then at the same time, it's filled with, you know, the Yosemite village and it's got the Awani and you have sort of this mix of 
I don't really know how to, to describe it. It's like, you, it's it's almost like, I, I likened it a little bit to an amusement park, but like in a totally not amusement park kind well, of way. Being like of, you're staying on site. You can stay yeah. on site. You can have these amenities and these comforts. The problem with a place like Yosemite is there there is no real gateway community. No. Right? So like when you go to Zion National Park, you've got the town of Springdale right there. When you go to Yellowstone, you've got West Yellowstone. But at Yosemite, it's just there's not a town right there. So if you wanted to leave the park to like go get dinner or something, right. you'd be gone for hours. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I don't mean that in a negative way. And I'm not I'm not articulating this very well, but to stand in Yosemite in all of its grandeur and to be able to have a glass of wine or to bike this trail and go over and have lunch in this cafeteria or go shop in Ansel Adams and have these sort of like experiences, these modern convenience experiences up against these incredible views and hikes and abilities to get away and into nature and then have the same thing that's called a national park, but be in some place like Badlands where there's nothing like that. It's just the landscape itself. It's just, it's two very different experiences. And I feel like we've just been so many places all over the country that sometimes I stand there and I'm like, this is so, this is just, it's so wildly different. You just, you don't know what you're going to get. Hopefully you understand what I'm trying to say. Even the Grand Canyon is so different, at least the areas that we were at in the Grand Canyon compared to this experience of being like in the Yosemite Valley or being over by Old Faithful. Yeah, it, it's very much its own thing. It's very much rooted in uh, in the creation of the park itself, which was basically happened because, uh, you know, concessionaires were just setting up shop wherever they wanted to yeah. and and um and, and maybe that's some of it maybe like deep down in in the back of my mind i had that idea that all of these spaces all of this uh, all of these amenities that are designed for tourists to keep them comfortable while they're here all of that is really actually what caused us to have to protect yeah. this space yeah and it's just a, it's a weird it's i loved it I loved having a glass of wine, but also at the same time, yes, that is there yeah. because, yes, we had to protect the park because of that. So while we were down in the valley, so, we, you know, obviously we've been talking about the, the situation with the snow melt and the water and the, the waterfalls are running, uh, the, the creeks and streams are all running very strong and it was beautiful. Uh, nothing seemed too dangerous or scary other than there was some water on pavement not a big deal at all but there was water running in places where water clearly doesn't normally run so you could see it coming down the side of cliffs where it hasn't cut into the cliff so you know it's not like an annual waterfall or anything like that and in fact as we were getting ready to go one day we're packing our bikes back up into the truck a guy comes up to us and starts chatting uh, us up uh because he saw something and he just wanted to make sure he wasn't the only one seeing it. He saw a waterfall where he was pretty sure there wasn't one before. And we turn and look at it and we're like, no, there was not a waterfall there before. And this was a huge waterfall. Yeah. He had come up to us and he, he was like, it's, was there a waterfall there a minute ago? And we're looking. And as we're talking to him though, 
whatever was up there, whatever was holding the bulk of that water burst. Just as quick as it appeared, it went away. It, it was there for maybe a minute. Yeah. And then it just it just trickled to nothing. It's a pop-up it, waterfall. It must have been like an ice dam that broke or something or, or you know, water just melted enough to break through the snow. Uh, and out of nowhere, we could get a waterfall. I hope nobody was underneath it <laughs> right? on a trail yeah. or something. But And if that wasn't like amazing enough, we continue to chat with this gentleman for a little bit longer. And then we discover that he's from a suburb that my family lived in, in Chicago, that his daughter is a film student or was a graduate film student from Columbia College, Chicago, which is where Jason and I went to school, uh, that we had all of these Chicago things in common. He was familiar with the neighborhood that we had lived in. And I just thought, this is the most random, most awesome meeting. This guy comes over to talk to us about a pop-up waterfall and then all of a sudden, we're all discovering, oh, and I think he also had connections to Western Illinois, to your yeah. hometown. Yeah, it was wild. It's Which is the, wild. This has happened a lot to us lately, too, that we've ran into people from our hometowns and just randomly start chatting with them and realizing that oh, they've worked at the same company that our parents worked at or something like it's that. It's so amazing. It was really cool. And uh, it, it's just a sort of a, a, a nice sort of end to our... Um, our our day there. There was one other thing that we did in the park itself that was really wonderful. Uh, and that was we did one of our favorite things. We've talked about this many, many times before is to gather a, a dinner and make it in the park and be there for sunset. Uh, so we did that at Tunnel View, which is sort of an overlook. You go up uh, a road a bit, and uh, there's a tunnel up there. And just before you go through the tunnel, there's this Tunnel View area, and there's a couple parking lots. And I'm sure it gets very busy when it's well, when it's prime season. But it's it, the iconic view down the yeah. valley. Yeah, it's the iconic view that you get uh, on postcards of Yosemite Valley with El Capitan and Bridal Veil Falls, and then just. Uh, miles and miles ahead of you. And so that is how we spent uh, evening at sunset. Yeah, just having sort of a, a tailgate dinner. Charcuterie and board. And what happens at sunset there is you're actually not watching the sunset because you're facing east, the sun setting behind you. But as the sun sets, it's just the the light that is dancing on the valley uh, and, and breaking off the cliffs and changing the colors of all the rock is just incredible it was just uh, yeah and we thought it, it was, was done. just incredible we, we thought it was we thought it was done so all the light had sort of when the sun had got down the, all the light had went away and we're like oh that was that was pretty and then some more light started peeking back through and it became phenomenal it was just a, one of those it's just the light the way the light can squeeze through there from the that last bit of sunset is just a, a sort of amazing experience. And I'm uh, it's probably the best thing we did the whole time we were there. I don't know if it's a testament to the park or not, but my inability to actually form sentences as we're talking <laughs> about this park is really quite something today on the show. Like, I can't describe to you. Yeah. Again, if you've listened to the Yellowstone episodes we did from a couple years ago, and you know that we had thought, and we did it with Grand Canyon too, we had thought... These are all the places everyone goes to. Are they going to be as spectacular as everyone says they are? Yes. Yes, they are. 
Yosemite is spectacular in every single way, and we barely scratched the surface of the park. I have to add, though, our best experiences at Great Smoky Mountains, at Yellowstone, at Zion, at Yosemite, uh, probably several others, have all been shoulder season. 100%. They've all been spring or fall. Uh, you know, when there's not as many crowds, but also spring. I mean, the California is going under a super bloom right now. There are mm-hmm. wildflowers sprouting up everywhere. Uh, the the wildlife and the, the water in, in the park is phenomenal. And uh, that's the kind of stuff that you get when you're there in shoulder season without all the big crowds. But you do sacrifice being able to visit some other places within the park places yeah. that are are not open yet yeah. and that is kind of the price that you pay in order to have a little bit of quiet a little bit of well alone it, in it, the park and obviously the there it's there's a risk to it with the weather right exactly yeah. we yeah. lucked out like if this was the week that we were supposed to be arriving. If we were arriving this weekend, we would be arriving to a closed valley. And then by the time it does open, probably a very wet, very muddy valley. Yeah. So we were very fortunate in our time there in the park. We did do a few other things outside of the park that we want to mention. So where we were staying right outside the park is the Stanislaus National Forest. And we've talked a lot of times, too, about how the outskirts of a park will often be a national forest. And there is just as much beauty to be found there as well. And so I really want to recommend the Carlin Falls Trail. Uh, I did that with Henry and then Jamie and Clay and their girls. And that was such a fantastic hike. Now, this time of year, this particular season in this park, there are a lot of downed branches and trees. And there were uh, pop-up little creeks and rivers that aren't normally there because they have had such a season of rain and snow. And we were doing a lot of climbing over logs or going through water that we wouldn't necessarily be going through. We did get to scramble up towards the end to get to the falls, but it was a totally doable hike for people of all ages. And the payoff, that waterfall was spectacular. It was just rushing and it was gorgeous. And we got there at a beautiful time in the late afternoon and we were able to sit for a while and wonderful hike. It was about, I think, somewhere around three miles total out and back. So absolutely recommend that. We did go into Groveland and take advantage of the library one day. We should mention that Starlink was perfect where we were yeah, that, at what was nice, uh, Yosemite Lake. That's part of what's nice about being able to choose your own site is that we were able to choose a site in the clearing mm-hmm. where there was plenty of uh, room and in fact, where all the Starlink users were. <laughs> to say, like, just now, do like another update on this in the future. But in general, Starlink's ability to deal with trees has gotten a lot better. Yeah, over the last six months or so. As you can see, if you're watching this behind us, we have quite the forest behind us. Uh, but up at the front of our campsite, we have just enough of an opening that while Starlink does cut out a little bit more than normal. We've been able to use it just fine and continue yeah. to do our work and do what we need to do. And that has been fantastic because we were concerned that that might be 
a little bit of an issue here. Um, but we did go into Groveland and go visit the library. That's something we really like to do. And then, of course, you know, it wouldn't be an RV Miles outing if we didn't go and find some pizza somewhere. And we went to a place called Two Guys Pizza Pie, 100% recommend this place. It was really highly reviewed it's on Yelp and TripAdvisor. very, very famous and lots of people just drive up there to just go there and not even go to Yosemite. Uh, Yes. I mean, I was getting all of the stories of people that come in from, you know, the Bay Area. They fly in to do some golf. They eat some pizza and then they fly back out. Um, uh, To me, it was really good pizza. It was the best pizza I've had in California so far. Um, But it was also pretty standard fare for any Midwesterner. I loved it. I thought it was so good. <laughs> it's, I, think I mean, the real it was test- good. It's just, it's good Midwestern pizza that doesn't it's, exist in the West. Ugh, the crust was so crunchy and chewy and a little malty. And I think the real test of a good pizza is if your cheese pizza is good. If your cheese pizza can stand on its own and it does, and it's just as good as if I had put all the kinds of toppings on it, then I think you have a very good pizza on your hands. And that's what we did. We just, our kids like cheese or sausage or pepperoni. That's what we ate. And it was great. Uh, Of course, it's pricey because, you know, what you can do. But I absolutely recommend it. It's clear that the locals love it, but it's also clear that it's really popular with people that come to the area. So we did that. Another thing, the final thing we'll talk about that Jason and I did was uh, not too far from the... Yosemite Lakes RV Resort is uh, the Rush Creek Lodge, which is this really beautiful um, resort hotel. This is the if you're not going to Yosemite in an RV and you're you're going in a car or you're flying in and getting a rental car, this is the place to stay. It's beautiful. And we went over there specifically to have dinner one night and just have some drinks, just the two of us. It was close enough to the campground that we felt comfortable heading out to have a uh, early dinner date night and to walk around the grounds. Beautiful. Just absolutely beautiful. And their main building, you know, you come in and there was this gorgeous, just fireplace and and uh, lounge area for guests and they had what looked like uh, a staff that was there to play games and entertain and they had like bingo or something going on they had quiet little nook areas where you could read they have two restaurants on site outside they had it had to have been a heated pool because people were in the pool mm-hmm. and it was just too cold they had several fire pits going with s'mores, s'mores. being made it the, was all the fires were like real logs like big logs like that don't fit in a normal fire pit (laughs) it was really lovely like it just very charming and exactly what i would want if i was not going to be in the rv and so we went in and we sat at the bar and we enjoyed a meal uh you really liked i think you had like a bison mac and cheese or something it was uh, it was a bison chili mac yeah you really enjoyed that the cocktails were great and it was a really nice time so if you have that and you don't want to have to drive all the way into groveland and you're not going to go into the park but you'd like to go out and have just a nice little meal maybe have just or just have a cocktail head on over to that place if you are at yosemite lakes and enjoy that there's also a place a good place for supplies and things that you you if you wanted to get crab breakfast or whatever if you need to grab tire chains because there are times that tire chains are required in yosemite uh, things like that they've got 
that all there. Uh, so it's it's a it's just sort of a nice little stop on your way into the park. Yeah. So that was a lot. We covered a lot about Yosemite. But if you have any questions that you would like to ask us, please go over to the RV Miles Facebook group and you can find the post for this episode. You can drop that question in there. We'll be happy to answer it. You can also see links to everything that we talked about over at rvmiles.com slash 274. That's the show notes for this episode. Uh, But yeah, that is not the last time that Yosemite National Park is going to see the Eppersons. All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll check the level of our tanks. <laughs> we'll be right back. More in a moment, but first, this video is sponsored by RVMattress.com by Brooklyn Bedding, who have increased our discount again. Abby, the kids, and I have been using their mattresses in our last two RVs, and we couldn't be happier. We are sleeping better, and we were able to customize it to fit our exact needs. Our kids' odd-sized bunks in the new trailer, not a problem. RVmattress.com offers a 120-night sleep trial along with a 10-year warranty. Plus, their products are toxin-free, made in the USA, and incredibly simple to set up. We've had them shipped to campgrounds, no problem, and you can just unroll them and let them expand. RVmattress.com offers free shipping and for the month of April only is offering the RV Miles community 30% off when you visit rvmattress.com slash rvmiles. That's rvmattress.com slash rvmiles for 30% off. I'll put a link in the description. Thanks to rvmattress.com by Brooklyn Bedding for supporting this channel and to you for supporting our sponsors. RV Miles is sponsored by the RoadPass Pro suite of travel apps for RVers. We love using all the apps in the RoadPass suite to plan our travels. Togo RV, Road Trippers, OvernightRVParking.com, and Campendium. You get premium access to all of them for $49.99 a year. Find the best campgrounds, the best boondocking sites, the best roadside attractions, and the best routes to get to them all in your RV, tailored for the length and height, tailored for its length and height to get you there safely. Use the code RVMILES10X to get $10 off your RoadPass Pro membership at RoadPass.com. That's RVMILES10X for $10 off at RoadPass.com. Welcome back. It is time to check the level of our tanks. Sponsored by Matt's RV Reviews, Liquefied RV Toilet Treatment, the no BS RV toilet chemical that really works. You can check it out along with all of our recommendations in our Amazon store at amazon.com slash shop slash RV miles. All right, Jay, what is in your black tank this week? My black tank is when campgrounds, I guess it's not just campgrounds, when anybody sells you firewood that is not seasoned. It is the most frustrating thing, but particularly when campgrounds do it, because then they everybody, in, they, they definitely know better, and everybody in the campground is burning a fire with the same wood, and they're all trying to make really, really smoky fires because the wood has not been seasoned. Yeah, that's when Abby has to go inside, and Abby doesn't get to be outside If anymore. you don't know, wood, wood needs to sit after it's been cut for at least a year uh, so that the moisture content can go out of it. Otherwise it just doesn't burn well. Most wood, some woods do, doesn't matter, but if it's got moisture in it, it just doesn't burn. It smokes. Right. And when, and you can tell when it's heavy, when you buy it and you pick it up and it's all real heavy, you know, that it's got a, a lot of moisture content. You can also look at the end of the wood before you buy it and see if it's got cracks in it. Cracks are a, a good sign that it is, that some of that moisture is gone and it's, it's sort of uh, opening itself up. But 
It's just really annoying to be in a campground where everybody is trying to burn a really, really smoky fire. Yeah, so campgrounds, if you're going to charge us what you charge us for firewood. $9 here for a bundle of firewood. Dry it out, okay? Yeah. Thank you. I will say this place has good firewood, but it, it's $9. That's still $9. All right, what is it your fresh tank this week? My fresh tank is a new show on Netflix called The Diplomat. How dare you? Abby's a little upset that I started watching it without her. She had a, a ladies' night out, <laughs> and I watched a ladies couple of episodes. hike. Out okay. is what I was calling so it. So I watched you. I watched two episodes of of The Diplomat, and it is a show. It stars Carrie Russell, and she is a sort of no nonsense, like ex military um, diplomat. Diplomat that that is that has been made. <laughs> she's been made the ambassador to the United Kingdom uh, at at a time when that very day that she becomes ambassador. A, a a UK ship has been uh has uh, it was exploded or hit with a missile or something like that and they're trying to figure out who it was and everybody thinks it's Iran and there's going to be a sounds like they're going to start intense. a war with Iran but she knows it's not them cuz she's an Iran expert anyway they it's there <laughs> comes out they're trying to groom her to eventually be a vice president and you're giving all it, of it, it away. It, it's all in the first episode. That's all in the first episode. And and it is just uh if you're a fan of shows like The West Wing, uh as I am, or anything sort of political, it, this is not it, there's not like a lot of violence or anything in the show at all. It's it's all very political. Um that's but my if jam. You, if you don't like adult words. There are a lot of adult words. Jason says there's a lot there's of adult a lot of, words. A lot of, a lot of big person words. A lot of a lot of big person words. Uh, I just I can't believe you watched this without I me. In fact, I never I, in a million years thought you would want to watch it, but I'm I'm, this is, I'm thrilled whoa. I'm thrilled to stop watching it and start over <laughs> okay. with you because I would love to watch it with you. What I think you I think perhaps what happened and why you watched this on Monday is because I flat out said to you I want to watch this show. I like never we even, were talking I don't about know, it. And I, I did, don't even remember. To, it was I never, in don't, your brain. I didn't know I'd even heard of this show. Yes. We, anyway, Carrie Russell, phenomenal. I had no idea. Oh, she's, I loved her in The Americans. She's, a, she's I, so good. I've never, I haven't seen her in anything since like. Wait, she was in a Mando episode. What are you talking about? Wasn't she? She played a, a Mandalorian in like the first season. Oh, I think. did she? I didn't remember yeah, I'm that. I'm pretty sure she was. A, oh. a, she well, was I felt Mando. like I hadn't seen her in anything since the 90s. So. Well, you anyway. haven't. Yeah. I have. You probably haven't. She's really good. All right, what's in your black tank this week? Okay, so my black tank is a gray tank because I love it and I don't love it at you the know, same time. You always bend the rules. Of I this. do bend the you rules. Know, the and black that's okay, tank has to be full. Like no, those those the gray tank is also full. <laughs> those and sensors never work. Listen, the gray tanks. It, the gray tank gets stinky too. Okay, okay so gray it, tank can be stinky. Is, anyway, gray my gray tank this week is the spicy sweet chili. Doritos. Oh, they're so good. Because they so good oh. that they're too good. To the to the point where we consumed a bag faster on a travel day than we should have. <laughs> so we watched the our, we watched uh Good Mythical Morning a lot on YouTube. It's a fun thing to watch it's with the family. How we wake our children up. We'll put an episode on and, and then they love it. Often they do like food comparisons. Uh, and one of the the ones that we recently watched is where they tried every flavor of Doritos and we're trying to pick a winner. And it was this sweet chili Doritos that were 
that ended up being the winner. And I was influenced. I was influenced. And I was like, I have to try these now because Doritos are, you know, the nacho cheese. They're the goat. And I had to try. They and weren't wrong. They weren't They're wrong. slightly Asian. They're, it, they are. They, they, mm. they, the title does not lie. Spicy, sweet, chili. They're not. They're they're not wrong. <laughs> That's exactly what it tastes like. It's not overwhelming though. But it's, it's overwhelming yeah. for like my waistline now because okay. yeah. <laughs> like, fair, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> we ate. There's like a lot of them, and yeah. I, I now I'm like great. This is like I want to go buy another bag, and I'm like I can't yeah. eat any more of these. <laughs> Nothing about this chip is good for me. All right, what's in your fresh tank? So my fresh tank is that the mile post is out. The guide to traveling through Alaska is here. This is a massive book with really tiny print on I... just about every, not just about, on everything you need to know about traveling to Alaska. And yeah. This has been, I've just been devouring it like all week long. Even if you aren't planning uh, to head up there this year or even next year, this is worth picking up. You can get it on Amazon. I'll put it in our Amazon shop under, um, I have a new section in there now of our, our fresh tank recommendations. You can go in and see it. It is the final missing piece, I think, that really like, ticked me into my excitement for Alaska. You know, it, it's uh, it's one of the few road trips in the U.S. left that you really kind of need a guidebook for because there's no mm -hmm. self-service on so much of it, right? And it's great that they update it every single year with all kinds of new information about Western Canada and, and Alaska and all the different routes that you can take. And it's very detailed down to like uh, when you pass this this mile marker look this way and you might see this and it's this is a great spot for you know uh, moose watching and whatever oh it's gosh. it's and it is just it's miles and miles of information and they have been doing this for 75 editions this is the 75th edition of the mile post and it is so thick and there is so much information that they probably send that to press and immediately have to start starting like immediately starting yeah i would years. imagine you know they start as they start traveling and going through all the routes again it this is. year, they they have to update it. Yeah, be kind of a cool job, yeah. I have to say. So if you haven't seen one, you should definitely go check them out. There, it's a really cool publication. Yeah, it's, it's there's a digital edition, but it's weird. Like mm, you want to hold it, well, but you also have to buy the print edition to get yeah. the digital edition. I suppose I, you could buy the print edition and have it sent to someone else. But I love digital magazines yeah. for the most part, but. I want a magazine. In it's my just hand. hard for some people to get on the road. Oh, hundred percent. Where it's going to be or whatever, but it is but on you, Amazon. You so. can get this one on Amazon, so yeah. you can. If you can't have it sent to your campground, you can always have it sent to an Amazon locker in the area and pick it up. There's just something about holding a magazine and just flipping through those pages. Which is what Jamie and Clay did. They ordered a, a copy for us and for them, and um, it's it, it's quite awesome. Yeah, it's fantastic. 
All right, that's it for this week's episode of the RV Miles podcast. Yes, it is. And as we ask every single week, we're going to ask again this week. If you are enjoying the show, please head over to Apple Podcast and leave RV Miles a five-star review. That five-star review is making a world of difference for our small business. So thank you, thank you, thank you. If you are interested in joining us on May 1st for our May edition of Monthly Night Live, just go over to rvmiles.com slash milemarkers to learn more about joining the Mile Marker club and then we look forward to seeing you on that evening any questions for jason and i please go and put them in the rv miles facebook group or if you would like you can also email us at editor at rvmiles.com until next week please stay healthy stay safe and keep logging those rv miles bye everybody bye